Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. I am your host, as usual, Andrew Baker, here with my co-host, as usual, Graham Moen. How's it going, Graham? I mean, usually I would say pretty good. I mean, the Browns, in the la- since the last time we podcasted, which changed a little bit because of the Thursday game against Pittsburgh. I mean, the Browns won a game against Buffalo and another game against Pittsburgh to go from 2-6 and six to 4-6, and six, so at least, you know, starting to get, roll a little bit after the brutal start to the season. But that's obviously not the main headline, or else we'd be a lot more excited about, you know, talking about these victories. I mean, obviously the Bills game was a good victory um, for the Browns because they beat a good – they beat a – seemingly good team in the bills. And then obviously the Steelers game was a lot different with uh, what happened at the end of the game. Yes. The Browns have beat two teams with winning records in a row. And we're not even going to talk about the games first because miles Garrett decided that he wanted to go absolutely nuts and clobber a guy over the head with his helmet and get suspended the rest of the season. Yeah. So the Browns best defensive player is now suspended the remainder of the season. And the Browns are a national joke as usual. And uh, here we are. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's just the Browns can never just do something right without doing something terribly stupid at the same time. It was just like it was the very end of the game, and you really, and you were just happy to see the Browns, you know, get a victory. Obviously, the hit that Marius Randall had later in the game, or earlier in the game on Deontay Johnson was also a pretty dirty hit, and he got ejected for the game. And that got overshadowed because of what happened with Miles Garrett at the very end of the uh, game when the Browns had it in hand and they were just blitzing Mason Rudolph every time. Who Mason Rudolph hadn't been playing well the entire game. He had thrown a lot of picks and they really weren't able to get much going downfield except for a couple penalties. Mason Rudolph was absolutely horrible. Yeah, and the Browns feasted on him and had a couple turnover at four, I think four interceptions it was total. It was just, it was a lot of, and also at the same time, the Steelers lost their two best skill position players in the same game with Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner both going out. So if those are prolonged injuries, then even with the Miles Garrett suspension, it's going to be interesting to see what the matchup would be like uh, in a couple weeks because the Browns play the Dolphins in their next game, and then the game after that is against the Steelers again. Yeah, which is not great considering <laughs> considering how much time. Considering there was a massive brawl in the field that has left crazy suspensions. I mean – that game's going to be heavily officiated and probably guarded by the police because yeah. there's going to be Cleveland fans in Pittsburgh. And Well, it's all right. Pittsburgh fans are classy, right? No, wait. No, they're not? No, they're not. Wow. So I don't even know where to begin with all this nonsense. Um, the Browns did win two games. They were not pretty at all, but they won the games, and that's what matters. Yeah. They beat two teams with their winning, had winning records, other yeah. than the one game against the Ravens this year. So... The suspensions, Miles Garrett, rest of season, I don't really think you can argue it. Yeah. I think the, the only thing, I mean, you know, he used his helmet as a weapon. He hit a guy over the top of the head with it. You just can't do that. I'll say that one thing is that other times helmets have been removed and people have gotten in fights or people have swung their helmets. This is by far the harshest punishment we've seen. And I know that he's appealing right now. And I think the Players Association is going to argue that there's no precedent for this that using the helmet as a weapon has been a two or four game suspension previously. I think the fact that he, if he just swung it and didn't hit him, he'd probably have been suspended for one game. But the fact that he made contact with a guy who wasn't wearing a helmet, I think is what made this far worse. And also the game was on national TV. Yeah. I think me and Owen were actually talking about that um, during things like, you know, you really don't know if it would be a rest of the season thing. If it, 
if he would have actually just thrown the helmet to the ground after he pulled it off of Mason Rudolph. It wouldn't have been anything. If he would have swung a fist instead of that, he probably would have been suspended like a game, yeah. maybe two, because he swung at a player. But like we were talking about, uh, you remember Cortland Finnegan? He used to get in fights all the time, and he would get like two suspend, two game suspension. Vontez Perfect, until recently, was getting like two game, three game suspensions for that type of stuff. Imagine if he just hadn't swung the helmet at a guy like you said that didn't have his helmet on him, and he ripped the helmet off of the guy's head. It doesn't look good. No, and although there's a lot of talk that maybe Mason Rudolph said something to Miles Garrett to tip him off like that, because from what most people know about Miles Garrett, that it's not normal for him to be set off like that. And at the same time. Mason Rudolph has been known in the past to uh, make some comments like that and be a little bit antagonizing, at least when he was in high school and college, according to a lot of reports. So yeah, I mean that's that's all well and good, and no sus- and I no mean, suspension for him. We also don't, I mean, we don't know what he said, uh, so I don't think you can really necessarily make a ruling off of what he said, right, or who he is as a person or whatever. I think you have to go off what happened. I think that. If Garrett was suspended four games, that would have been reasonable. I think rest of the season is re- reasonable as well. I mean, it was pretty ogly what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was a black mark for the league. Ogan Joby getting suspended a game. Look, if you shove someone from behind, you're not getting suspended in any other situation. I mean, yeah. it's, it, that suspension is basically just because the NFL is embarrassed about what happened and they want to come down harshly. The Players Association is going to protest that one, too, because quite frankly, just shoving someone to the ground from behind is not really suspension worthy in the NFL. Can they play if they're appealing? No. The appeals, it's not they, like they, baseball? No, they finish the appeal before the next game happens. Okay. Marquise Pouncey for the Steelers, three games for, for, curb stomping. for curb stomping and punching Miles Garrett. That's I don't really see how that can get reduced. I no. mean, I guess maybe two, but... When you're kicking a guy who's laying on the ground, it's 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 pretty rough. And again, you can say, well, what Miles Garrett did was worse, and he did it first. But that's not how this works. Like that's the NFL looks at the situation and says, if you did something wrong, you're getting suspended, regardless of whether you're defending a teammate or not. Now, you mentioned Mason Rudolph. I think the only thing about this whole situation that doesn't make any sense to me is Mason Rudolph not getting suspended at all, because at the end of the game you know, before the whole Miles Garrett thing happened, Miles Garrett sacked him. He dragged him to the ground kind of a little bit late, but he didn't shove him down, throw him down. He just kind of dragged him down. And uh, Rudolph tried to twist Miles Garrett's neck. He tried to rip his helmet off. Some angles make it look like he kicked him in the nuts. And he was clearly an instigator in the situation. And he, to not, to have him not suspended at all, is kind of a joke to me because I think if you're going to suspend those other three players, you're telling me that Ogunjobi shoving Mason Rudolph is worse than Mason Rudolph twisting Miles Garrett's helmet yeah, and kicking the nuts. I don't know nuts. how that doesn't warrant at yeah. least a uh, at least a one game. You just can't tell me what Ogunjobi did was worse. But guess what? Mason Rudolph is the quarterback and he's white. And until I see the suspensions change, you can't convince me that the reason reasons that Mason Rudolph didn't get a punishment aren't because he's white and a quarterback. That's just how I feel. And I I think if that was, let's say that was Mike Vick who was twisting Miles Garrett's helmet and then kicking him in the nuts, I guarantee you he'd be suspended. And Mason Rudolph is not an innocent victim here. And it doesn't mean that Miles Garrett should have ripped his helmet off and clobbed him over the head with yeah. it. But to act like Mason Rudolph is simply an innocent victim is is kind of trash to me. And additionally, I'm, I'm kind of worried about Miles Garrett's relationship with his teammates after this because 
the coaches and his teammates, including Baker Mayfield, were really angry and basically just said that it's, you know, totally wrong and all this after the game, which sure, that's fine. But it's been pretty much ignored what Mason Rudolph did. And Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield are friends. And after the game, you know, Miles Garrett had to apologize to Mason Rudolph. And I just, I think if I was Miles Garrett, it would really bother me that no one seemed to care about anything that Mason Rudolph did in the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it's magnified by the fact that, you know, Mason Rudolph got nothing for a suspension and Miles Garrett's gone for the rest of the year. Now, obviously, Garrett did something that was pretty pretty much the wrong thing to do. And he did the worst thing in the situation. Yeah. But doesn't mean that anyone, that doesn't mean that. Mason Rudolph didn't do something too. Right. Mason Rudolph deserved to be suspended at least like Oak and Joby for a game. If they would have done each of them for a game, they should have done that. Honestly, I, you brought it up on Twitter. They should have just made it the Steelers game, the Steelers Browns game. Cause now that, game, yeah, exactly. That, that game at this point is going to be like, so um, heavily it's, officiated. It's going to be really difficult for any team to do. Cause if any team even thinks about doing anything like the, the refs are going to be throwing flags if you look at someone funny in that game. Well, it's really not great these teams have one game in between playing each other again. That's really not bitter, ideal. Yeah, bitter rivals playing each other twice. And it's in, in Pittsburgh, and it's going to be a really ugly scene there. And obviously, there's still a lot of anger on both sides. And quite frankly, I'm just hoping the Browns can get to that game without, A, someone getting hurt, because I'm not going to sit here and roll out the Steelers doing something dirty, especially considering, like you said, Demarius Randall concussed you know, Deontay they, Johnson, they got a really protect, ugly hit, and Juju Smith-Schuster got concussed. They got to protect Baker. The Steelers are going to feel like you know the Browns were out to hurt them, and they're going to come out, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a lot of ugliness. And I think the NFL is going to make, like you said, they're going to make it pretty clear before the game that they're not standing for anything. And I think they're going to throw flags pretty early. In it's going to be a pretty ugly game one way or another, and not to mention the fact that Mason Rudolph's playing quarterback. It's probably going to be an ugly game because he and sucks. And they might not have James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster, depending on what the, how long their injuries last. The good thing is Mason Rudolph not being suspended means he gets to play against the Browns, which can only help the Browns. Yeah, we don't want to play against Buck Hodges. Yeah, well, Mason Rudolph sucks, and he should have been suspended. Yeah. Um, but again, like, what Miles Garrett did was – one of the worst things I've seen happen in in sports on the field. Yeah, it wasn't great. It kind of ruined the whole yeah. the whole win because and again, be- beating the want, Steelers yeah. is such a big deal, and yeah. it is the first and time the we had won. Yeah, we've beaten the Steelers and the Ravens back to back. We're undefeated in the division so far, and we haven't played the Bengals yet. That's pretty impressive. The Browns are probably going to get out of this year with probably a four and two divisional record because of how bad the Bengals are. I think you can. I think you could say the Browns could win probably two more divisional games and finish four and two, maybe five and one in the division. The Browns have played well against their divisional opponents this year. They've just have. They're just now they are going to be really shorthanded because of the bitter rivalry and because of all these issues that happened. Yeah, Antonio Callaway got cut before the game too for sucking. <laughs> which you know, Antonio Callaway was a fourth round pick last year. He showed a lot of promise as a rookie, um, but ultimately. You know, he, sh- he showed up to camp out of shape this year. He was fat. After he had some off-the-field issues last year. And when you do that, you're basically just telling your team, I don't give a shit. He also and got suspended, and then he now is about to yeah, have he's, – and now he's suspended again for 10 games. He's getting suspended for pot. And so I think I'm going to make just a list of things that I think are true. Number one, pot should be legal. Number two, NFL players should be allowed to smoke pot to help their pain tolerance because, quite honestly, like – you know, those guys through, go through a lot. And the NFL just pumps them with painkillers that are really bad long-term. And pot That's is fair. not. Number three, you can't. 
So, you know, whether it's right or wrong, you can't smoke pot when you're in the NFL. And Antonio Callaway has shown that he's just not able to stop doing that. And he, more importantly, has shown on the field this year that he's totally regressed from last season. He was dropping balls, not making any types of impact plays. And I it's mean, just, I think, I think, and now that he's suspended game. 10 games, this, this happened before he got suspended and the Browns were obviously trying to just wipe their hands, wash their hands of him before the suspension came out. But I think he was worth it as a fourth round pick because he showed the talent, but he's also shown that he's just clearly not committed to becoming the best player he can be. And it wouldn't shock me if he has a successful NFL career somewhere else, but John Dorsey's taking a lot of chances on guys. And at a certain point you have, to, if you are going to preach accountability, you have to, you know, guys have to run out of chances. And I think Callaway has not shown enough this year that he warranted any more chances. And I think that's just how it works. I mean, usually for Browns players to get cut, it takes a lot longer than that. So, I mean, it shows that at least there's some accountability taking place with the Browns, like you said. I mean, I prefer Richard Higgins, and he didn't play that much this past week because we ran a lot of two wide receiver personnel. And Kadero Hodge was playing a lot. And by the way, Kadero Hodge, it seems like, that's the reason why we could get rid of Antonio Callaway. He was making a lot of really good plays last week in the Steelers game. And he was that, that breakout performance kind of got overshadowed by the whole incident as well, because Kadero Hodge was making a lot of big plays and kind of showing the ability to make plays kind of like Bashad Perriman did last year for us, that big guy that can go down the field and make catches. He's, and he was really consistent with his hands. I think he could be someone that could be a nice, uh, contributor for us throughout the rest of the year and maybe be someone we could keep for the future. Yeah, he was he's a core special teamer for the Browns at, at minimum and he's shown some talent. He may not offense. be for much longer. It's crazy to me that you know, we all everyone's upset that Richard Higgins can't see the field, can't make plays. I still have no idea what happened. Seems like Freddie has had him in his doghouse since he refused to go in a game against Seattle. I, I don't know what happened last year for Richard Higgins to be a great a really good receiver and have great chemistry with Baker Mayfield to basically not seeing the field this year. It certainly didn't help the Browns rhythm that he wasn't out there early on. And now it seems like he's just so far behind in that sense that a lot of times they'd rather play Kadero Hodge. And I think he's probably not going to be back here next year, Hollywood speaking of. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that that's the way it's gone. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, I think so to talk about the actual games, I think Baker's looking better. I think both of us and everybody, I don't think anyone thought he was going to continue to look that bad as he did for parts of the season the whole year. I mean, he's back up to only, he's still at 12, he's been at 12 interceptions now for like three or four weeks. So he's been playing turnover free Two weeks in a row. So he's had 11 touchdowns and 12 interceptions now. So he's almost back to to normal. So he's been playing a lot better. He's been doing, being more decisive with the football. He's been a lot more accurate, which has been the biggest thing. A lot of his balls have been a lot more, uh, a lot better placed. So I think that's something that's really important to see is that he's just seems like he's getting in the groove a little bit more. Landry's getting involved more. Um, o- Odell Beckham still isn't getting involved enough. He's really only getting open on like the short slant routes or the comeback routes. But we got the one play downfield with him this week. We just can't seem to get him in like the intermediate game too much. Yeah, I just don't understand how he just isn't using the offense and. Everyone makes a big deal of the fact that he missed OTAs or whatever. He didn't have that early connection, but there's not a precedent that OTAs are that important. He's the most talented player we have on offense, except for Chubb, maybe. And honestly, Jarvis Landry's having a better season than Odell Beckham Jr. He's playing better on the field. And Odell Beckham Jr. was a consensus, unanimous top five wide receiver in the NFL coming into this year. And 
for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. And I don't really know why. I think he's been doubled. Sure, that's fine. But ultimately, that's going to be one of the, if not the biggest failures of the Browns season this year, is to not use Odell Beckham Jr. properly. And this offense struggled early, and they've been better of late. But the Buffalo and Pittsburgh games, to be fair, both those teams have solid defenses. But it's not like the Browns offense was going out there and just running up the score. And well, they should have you a know, chance. Coming I, I don't. Up this I don't really understand it about Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe they can kind of get that chemistry improved the last few games, and we can see him start to take off. But at a certain point, it just seems like it. For whatever reason, Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to become an impact player with the Browns at least this season. And you know, I don't think they're going to trade him before next season. He's going to be back, and they're going to have a whole training camp to try and change the way they use him. But it's pretty baffling to me. Yeah, I mean, I think Odell Beckham will end up getting some more looks as the season, as the rest of the season progresses, especially because of the who we're playing. I mean, we're playing the Dolphins next week. We're playing the Bengals twice. We're playing the Steelers again, who don't have a great secondary. And he was getting open against the Steelers secondary. He just wasn't always um, – they were just weren't always connecting on the plays. And I think more the longer he's been in the system, he has looked a little bit better throughout the weeks. He didn't look very good early in the year, and he's conti- – progressively gotten better little by little he still hasn't had a breakout game really he's only had that one long touchdown and he's had a couple big plays but he has one touchdown yeah he, he, does. he was half a yard short of another one on, the, on thursday but still i mean i we're 10 games in and odell beckham jr has one touchdown it's just it's crazy get, he needs to get involved more with the and the offense really just needs to get to the point where you know they run up op, they optimize their offense by having certain plays that come out that work for them like they need to get chubb and kareem hunt involved they need to get Beckham and Landry involved, and then the rest of the pieces kind of fall in line after that. It just seems like whenever Odell Beckham Jr. gets the ball, it's like a play where they're like, all right, we got to get the ball to him, as opposed to being like Landry seems like he's more in the natural flow of the offense. And, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe a training camp and an offseason will improve that. Landry's also been playing with with Baker for longer and knows what to expect from him, whereas Odell's maybe still – learning a little bit of that. And also, you know, they're trying to build chemistry during the season, which during the off season, they didn't really have a lot of time to throw together in camp. Yeah. Kareem Hunt's been a major addition. Yeah. He's been, especially as a receiver, but also as a blocker. He's been a really good blocker. And as a runner, Kareem Hunt looks like a a big time, you know, addition for this Browns team. And he's here next year on basically a league minimum contract. So, and I'm glad the Browns are using these two running back sets. They're really interesting to see. And I think they can really do a lot of different mismatches out of those. And I think you could even include Hilliard into those occasionally. If you Uh, need, if you need uh, Hunt and Hilliard as like a pass catcher. Yeah. But like, that's been the biggest thing. Hilliard and Hunt is the, the blocking. Right. And Hunt's really good. So, I mean, if you can have Hunt and Chubb on the field at the same time, and they both are just physical guys that are really explosive in space and don't go down at first contact. Kareem Hunt's a pretty good runner as well. He doesn't just go down at first contact either. He's not this just chain of pace back. Kareem Hunt was considered by many people to be a top five running back in the NFL, and the Browns got him because of the mistakes he made. But it looks like he's done his job so far, and he came back prepared. Because think about it, he was gone from the Browns for a long time, and he was able to come in and acclimate himself pretty well and affect the game at a pretty high level because he's allowed the Browns to kind of give Chubb drives off. So that way he's not gassed for later parts in the game when they need him. Yeah. They've pretty much been using him as the third down back, which makes sense. Yeah. Because you know, it's, 
he's just really good. And the Browns have... He's a better pass catcher than Chubb, which is fine. Yeah. Chubb showed his capability as a pass catcher, but at the same time, I'd rather have Kareem Hunt catching the ball. And it just allows more creativity in the offense and more different looks because you can play Chubb and Hunt at the same time. They did that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can line up uh, Hunt as a receiver. There's It's a lot of flexibility. But the Browns have the best running back group in the NFL, and it's not particularly close now. I mean, Chubb is a borderline top five running back in his own right, and so is Kareem Hunt, and no other team has that. And to have an offense that has Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry at a certain point, you know, the results have to improve. Or, like I said, Freddie Kitchens will be gone because, again, I I still have not seen anything out of Freddie that would convince me that he should keep his job next year. Yeah. There's six more games for him to kind of make an impact, but – and I, you know, I'm not blaming the Miles Garrett incident on Freddie Kitchens because there's no way that you know Freddie is telling players to do things like that. But we've seen from the jump that Freddie just the accountability has not been there and the discipline has not been there. And even when they had those training camp, you know, practices against the Colts and there were giant brawls, and Freddie's talking about how they're not going to be pushovers anymore. Yeah. And it's just. Uh, the Miles Garrett thing is not a good look for Freddie, whether or not it's actually his fault. It seems like a team attitude type thing. And like Jarvis Landry getting a 15-yard penalty after the first touchdown last week and the Browns missed the extra point. Yeah. It's just, it just the stuff continues. And the Browns have cleaned up the false darts a lot. And the, they had another roughing the passer this week. You know, At least the procedural but, things aren't getting But it's just it's the, it's the team discipline that seems like it still is a major issue. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens to Freddie after the season. Um, Defensive depth is a major issue going forward. Obviously, Miles Garrett was your one true impact defensive lineman, and he's now out. Olivier Vernon's dealt with injuries. Ogunjobi's out, at least for this week. Morgan Burnett in the secondary's out. You had to cut Jermaine Whitehead because he threatened to kill people on Twitter. You know, it's just the Browns are getting really, really thin. Eric Murray was hurt last week. The the linebackers still look pretty good. Um, Yeah, Schobert looked really good this past week against the Steelers. Mac Wilson's been improving. Yeah, Mac Wilson looks like he could be a – a good valuable contributor. The depth though is a major issue. Right. I mean, the Browns defense is going to be really, the only thing they're placed. They're really deep right now is at cornerback still. And luckily they got those guys back where Denzel Ward played actually pretty well last week in the game. He actually improved a lot last week and, and then the week before. Yeah, Greedy with, uh, wasn't great this week. But. Yeah. It was, re- I think that was really Greedy's first like struggling game because he was getting thrown on deep a lot. And he just wasn't adjusting well and getting flags thrown on him because he just wasn't turning around and adjusting to the ball. But I think that was really the first game I've seen Greedy really be bad, which is good. I mean, he hasn't been like the best cornerback in the league, but I feel like he's been an above average starting cornerback, which as a rookie, you can't really say much about a lot of guys because he's also been tackling really well, too. Yeah, that was the thing with Greedy coming into the draft is that he was supposed to be a really poor tackler and he's been really good in that regard. Yeah. And it's obvious that he was like, no, I'm going to prove people wrong in this. And he's covered well for the most part, but he's gotten a little bit more exposed the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, you know, again, the Browns will have to win out or maybe lose one more game to make the playoffs, and I still don't – I just don't see that. The Browns have four or five teams ahead of them right now. They'd have to pass all of them, and the chances of that happening are just so small. You know, I I, I continue to say that – Well, you know, at least we have Miles get – oh, wait. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> I think the season will be a success down the stretch if you can find a way to get Odell Beckham Jr. more involved. I think that's my number one priority. Because at this point, again, unless the Browns pull off a miracle, they're just building for next year. And whether Freddie is a part of that future, whether Todd Munkin's a part of that future, 
You know, I have no idea. I would say probably not, but who knows? But do you have any other goals the rest of the season now that you've seen? I mean, now the Browns have now won two games in a row against solid teams, and that's, I mean, that's progress. The Browns are in a weird space because they want to win games, and if they uh, if they lose too many games, then Freddie Kitchens is going to get fired, and they have to start over, which, you know, but at the same time, they don't want to lose a ton of games. They don't want to be a 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 team. But if he goes 9-7, and seven, is he, are you really going to be able to fire a coach that just went 9-7? and seven? And that's going to be the issue, and that's what some teams have run into in the past where they have a coach that gets his way into a 9-7 and seven season, and then it just get, creates a cycle of, okay, well, we're kind of just mediocre, and we're going to just kind of stay here and contend in this area, but we're never really going to be true contenders. Yeah. And that could be an issue because if the Browns are going to keep going like nine and seven, eight and eight every year, but they are like, they play like this. I don't want that in my life. We've seen, we've seen a lot of growth from Freddie. I guess you could say, you know, the timeouts have not been an issue as much. He hasn't had so many terrible challenges. The the false starts have cleaned up, but overall this Brown season is going to end up being a disappointment pretty much no matter what happens from here on out. The, The Browns had a chance to save their season if they won out. And now that Miles Garrett suspended, once again, the Browns have won two games in a row, and no one's talking about that. They're just talking about, you know, how much the team is a joke for Miles Garrett doing something violent, and it sucks. That's and that's what that's what this is what the Browns have been for you know twenty years is a team that ultimately the headlines are more about dumb shit that happens instead of the team winning games, and they finally beat the Steelers for the first time in you know it's they've. Mike Tomlin's twenty and three against the Browns. Okay, that's not that, that does not, not he was that does, twenty and four, baby. That, that does not happen in the NFL, and it's happened to the Browns because they've sucked for a long time. They finally beat the Steelers, and no one's talking about it. And that's just the reality right now. Yeah, this whole season, it's been you take a step forward and you do two dumb things to mess it up, and that's just the story of the Browns' two thousand nineteen season. And they still, but they're undefeated in their division. Yeah, again, there's some progress, but it's just it's slow and it's. It's frustrating progress because you know the talent has been there to, to, to be better than this. But we'll see. The Browns hopefully should take care of business this week against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are playing better of late, but they're still one of the worst teams in the NFL, and the Browns have no business losing that game, even the, without Miles Garrett. The Browns should probably get their way to 5-6, and six, I would think. And then at that point, that's when you, you know, if you have a, if you can get to 5-6, and six, that's one more win in your belt. And then, and then it's the bloodbath against the Steelers. And that game would probably decide your season because if the Browns can somehow pull out a win against the Dolphins and then another win against the Steelers, that brings them back to 500. And at that point, it's you're playing the Bengals twice. So you got a chance at that point. Yeah, if they can win that game against the Steelers in two weeks, they will have an at least honest look at the playoffs if they take yeah. care of business. But they got to beat the Dolphins first. Right. And, quite, and if, first. if this season has shown me anything, the past 20 years have shown me anything, you can't, it's, you can't, can't count them. the Browns for shit yeah. because you'll be disappointed. Yeah. Just expect nothing and you'll be a lot happier. Yeah, we Go all Browns. thought we were going to beat the Titans and yeah. that went so well. We're going to have probably a basketball podcast at some point soon too. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're hitting like the 10, 12 game mark with a lot of teams. So we're starting to figure out kind of how things are looking. You know, the Cavs are still – relatively inspiring for a team that's not very good. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk about the Browns as well after they play the Dolphins. And there should be five and six, but you never know with the Browns. Yeah. Uh, check out TreeCityRecords.com, TreeCityRecords on Twitter, at Baker underscore sports on Twitter, at G-T-M-O-H-A-N on Twitter. Um, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. Peace.